Welcome to episode 88 of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. I'm Maria Stolger, and since I recorded the last episode, the world has changed significantly. It's Sunday the 22nd of March as I'm recording this and the huge changes brought about by the threat of COVID-19 and the changing circumstances and uncertainty has impacted all our lives. The art world is in turmoil across the globe, from the Met to the Tate to the Hermitage, they're all closed and it's changing hourly here in Australia. And while some public galleries are already closed in Australia, others are working closely with the government to consider their approach and have postponed all public events, including, of course, the Archibald Wynne and Sulman exhibition at the Art Gallery of New South Wales, which was due to open on May the 9th. Most commercial galleries have moved online and things are changing day to day. Today, there's been talk of borders closing and a possible lockdown. So by the time this podcast goes online, things could have changed again. So in light of all of this, my goal in the next weeks and probably months is to keep us connected by continuing to bring you the stories of Australian painters, even though I won't be sitting in the same room as them in a gallery or their studio. I'll be doing everything from home using the miracle of technology that is available to us all. I'm going to do more live streaming, which I've been doing on Instagram already, but it's not going to be from a gallery. It's going to be from my home. And hopefully a lot of you will also join in those live streams. And I'm hoping that your hanging out with me either through this podcast or on social media is going to take your mind off all that is going on around you, even if it's only from time to time. This week was supposed to turn out a little differently. I was planning to go to the opening of Peter O'Doherty's show at King Street Gallery on William in Darlinghurst in Sydney, where Leo Roberts' show was also opening. And that was supposed to be on Wednesday, and I was going to shoot a short video asking Pete about his show. When the opening was cancelled and social distancing was going to cause a problem with filming at the gallery, we decided to turn it into a phone interview, my first recorded remote interview, and that's what I'm bringing you today. So bear in mind, this was recorded four days ago, and a lot has happened since then. At that time, King Street Gallery's doors were still open. I've previously interviewed Peter for the podcast. Our conversation is episode 40. It's a great conversation. And if you haven't heard it, I recommend it because he not only talks about his work as an artist, but his years as a musician. He's currently in his band Dog Trumpet with his brother, Reg Mombasa. But of course, they were both band members of the iconic band Mental As Anything. And he talks about how he and his wife, Susan, became artists. So here's my conversation with Peter. All the works we talk about are on the website talkingwithpainters.com. Okay, so Pete, you are the first person I am interviewing um, since, you know, things started getting quite serious with COVID-19 and lots of people are practising social distancing now. So we're doing this remotely. Uh, You're at your place, I'm at my place. Hi, Maria. Yep, it's nice to see you from a distance. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not really seeing you. Well, we're recording this on Thursday, 19th of March, and your show was scheduled to open last night um, at King Street Gallery on William, which I was really looking forward to. But understandably, it was cancelled because, I mean, they, they get big crowds there. So, um, 
you know, I think it would have been quite crowded, so probably a good call. We made the decision to sort of to, to pull it a few days ago at the end of last week we were talking about it. I mean, with COVID-19, it's we're all being swept along on this tide. It's like it's, and it's, not, um, it's not going down yet. It's still coming up and we're just playing it mm. by ear, day by day. So we're just having to go with the flow with the whole thing. I'm, I'm using all these nautical sort of metaphors. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like it's a time of like a lot of anxiety, I think, and so many people worried about so many things. Terrible, um, terrible. Yeah, no, it's really terrible. Yeah, yes, it's a really, really shocking time. But um, um, it's prophetically called the distance between us. How was I to know? <laughs> Maria, I should be a clairvoyant. It's a great show. Congratulations. It looks fantastic. It's a collection of um, suburban landscapes, um, still lifes, some great aeroplanes that I really love. Um, those, so the suburban, the, the um, landscapes that I'm talking about, there, a lot of them are in Sydney. So we're looking, we're talking about apartment blocks and homes. Um, and lots, I mean, in the title, you can tell a lot are in Sydney, but it's not really, so I get the feeling it's not really just about Sydney, these, these paintings, is it? Not really. They're the, the, the sort of dwellings that you see up and down the coast and from state to state. And um, in fact, I was in Tasmania reasonably recently and there's some great houses down there. Every time I go down there, I seem to get more, collect more subject matter. Yeah, what do you? What is it that it appeals to you when you see a place? Like, is it is there something about a house that might sort of attract you? I guess it's just something to do with that, that sort of era of you know anywhere from the sort of fifties onwards. You know that sort of connects with my own childhood and any, anybody sort of our our kind of vintage. You know, we all yeah. grew up in those houses, but they're still here. They're all around. And you know, I live in you know in in Malabar where there's lots of those houses in Matraville and. So I get, you know, I don't, I don't have to go very far and, and there's my childhood all around me. So people say, oh, is it nostalgic or about the past or about memory? Well, no, not really. It's, it's actually, it's, it's, it's just, you know, what I, what I see every day. I drive through this and people are still living in, in those houses. Yeah, yeah. So it's like contemporary in a way. It's totally really. contemporary. You know, to me it's totally contemporary. In fact, you know, I mean, Australia's got such a bad record of, of our of our uh, colonial history since we arrived from you know the, from England and Britain and okay. Europe of of building things and then completely obliterating them knocking them down and you know so we have this we have this uh, terrible uh, um, disrespect I think for our for our own short history let alone yeah. Aboriginal history you know so so we've got a lot to learn. Yeah, you're right. And well, and a lot of those um, sort of apartment blocks, I mean, I want to talk to you about one in particular, that painting Edgecliff High Rise, which is, it's about two metres high and it's a great painting. I love it. It's um, one of those, you know, it's about 12 stories of an apartment block in, um, must be an Edgecliff, I presume. It is an East. Edgecliff, yes, it is. Probably one of the first things I actually saw when I first came to Australia because my mum and dad uh, emigrated out from Auckland in like the late 90s, well, it was 1968, late 1968, and we came over on the on the Orsover, one of the ships that used to fly the um, the routes between, or well, you know, between England and, and Australia and New Zealand, and we've we've sailed into Sydney Harbour early on a September morning with the sun shining, and I can remember being an excited ten year old. And looking at the um, all the buildings crowding along the shore as we came up towards the the, the city, and 
and all those buildings along, you know, those buildings were built in the 60s as the, sort of they were, as they were building higher and higher were, um, to me, you know, it looked like I was sailing into New York or something, if, you know, from the, <laughs> from the ten-year-old eyes. But I mean, that, that building, Edgecliff High Rise, which I've just painted, I'm pretty sure that was, may have been there at that time because it had, it's got that vintage written all over it. There's something about, I don't know, the buildings that we, that we make, the constructed world, which seems so um, alien or something to me, even though I live amongst it and I sort of feel very comfortable in it. It's just, it's odd that humans can do that, can, can make those things. I'm still, in a way, really uh, impressed by it. Yeah, it's sort of weird that we sort of live in these sort of boxes in a these way. These boxes you know? and stack them up on top of each other for, you know, for multiple stories. It's just, it, it's, it's weird. And the world's gone much more in that direction since... Since I was a kid. Well, the interesting thing about that painting, though, is that even though it is like, you know, stacked on top of each other like that, you've created like each level is unique because, you know, there'll be a subtle colour shift or a window might be open or a blind might be pulled down on one window or the shadow's going to be a slightly different colour. Is that is that like... Your ima- will your imagination take over with the painting at that point, or is that...? Yeah, definitely play around with it. In, in fact, with a, a painting like that, because it's a big one and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of complicated, you know, little aspects to it, and it's, um, it's basically sort of you work through from top to bottom and then back up again and then back... And, it, and you keep on adjusting the colours, so it becomes a sort of like... almost like a jigsaw puzzle, a game, game of colour and, yeah. and shape, and in and, and a way becomes more and more abstracted the more I do it, especially when I'm standing up against it. It's just these these abstract sort of um, uh, geometric sort of rectangles that you know, like a game I'm playing, you know, yeah. which I love doing in, in a way. It's quite therapeutic and a bit zen in a way. Yeah, I could imagine. Is it a, quite a limited palette? I guess so. I, I, look, I, yes and no. It sort of it looks like I stick to the same, you know, set of colours so, and don't then try not to stray too far out of that because... I think that's the way everything looks. It makes it look more cohesive. I mean, if you look at any sort of... If you look outside your window at a certain time of day, the colours all coalesce together in a certain way and they look very different, say, as the sun's going down or at night time, completely different than when there's an absence of colour. So it's just a matter of trying to find some way of making it look harmonious and then also that little dissonance that you can get from throwing, you know, an odd colour against another one, which which also crops up in nature all the time too. Yeah, well, do you start off... Actually, I was looking closely at a few of the works and I was wondering whether you start off with a, a, a ground colour. Like, would you put a ground colour before you start? Sometimes, but not not particularly intelligently. Right, so it's not as if you planned it and you thought, oh, I'm going to have this coming often, through often or anything like what, that. It's often what, whatever colour may be sitting on the palette at the, at the time or a bit of, you know, I've squeezed yeah. out too much colour from some, some another painting and that just goes on <laughs> as the first thing I can do on the next painting. I'm a, I'm a bit of a tight one, so I don't like to waste the paint. <laughs> yeah, well, talking about that sort of abstract quality, I mean, I, th- I know we talked this about this in the in our previous interview, but um, I just love that beautiful cropped effect you get, like in that painting Red Block Bondi, for example, where you've got this close-up of the ba- concrete balconies on this, you know, block of units. And it, that, that must be quite fun doing those 
it sort of semi-abstract sort of works. Well, yeah, well, that's. I think that's a big part of it is taking it away as much as possible from the kind of a narrative or a literal driven work so that it becomes, again, that geometry of shapes and and then cut the colour then it works its way around the geometry of that. So it becomes like an abstract uh, exercise. You can almost turn the or flip the painting on its side and it, and it sort of looks just as convincing or more convincing sometimes upside down so you know but when yeah, I get when yeah. I get to that stage I think oh that's going well you know that's 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 good you know so I have definitely been trying to sort of go more in that direction I think and a little bit less um, uh, descriptive yeah right oh that's beautiful fantastic work and also you've got you've done a series of um, like 50s style ba- hotel bathroom sinks yeah and I just started off from you know you start one and you think oh that that's sort of interesting and then I tried a few different angles and um, so I just ended up with another series, and, and also the colours were different, and the, the and, and taking it away from a, a, a normal kitchen kitchen or or a normal domestic bathroom. It was actually in a just like a, a you know it was like an eatery, and it was there uh, you know in the toilet they had these kind of slightly retro looking sinks. And I thought oh, they look great, and it's sort of unexpected how that stuff works. It's just a bit accidental, you know. A lot of the a lot of the accidents of you know, just being somewhere, uh, you know, something will crop up that you're never expected to to end up making a painting of. Well, that's exactly right, isn't it? And also it depends on the mood you're in too, I think, you know, if you whether you're going to re- be receptive to it. Yeah, well, I was out, uh, out and about, uh, so I probably had a wine or two, so that helped. <laughs> also, um... I mean, people have ever heard our previous interview, and even if they haven't heard it, they probably know you're a musician as well. You play with Dog Trumpet and you were in Mental as Anything. Um, can you tell me a bit about, um, you know, what effect, you know, all of this is having, like COVID-19 is having in, in the music industry? Oh, it's it's devastating. It's actually just devastating. I mean, since, since um, the spring and we had all the bushfires that, raged on and got worse and worse and then just sort of ended up shutting down so much of the of um the the, the coastal towns and the north coast south coast and in victoria new south wales uh, queensland that that had a great and big impact on all the bands that normally at that time of year would be touring up through summer and playing at every little coastal you know, town and hamlet. Mm. That was, I mean, all that stuff just got completely just obliterated. And then COVID-19's come along and it's even worse. It's And now, I mean, look, you know, the the entertainment and, and music industry and arts industry, the arts in general is just taking a, a hell of a whack. So, because so many people live from, from gig to gig and from week to week yeah. and it's affected everyone, you know, so... And that's just part mm-hmm. of it. It's everyone else as well, apart from the arts industry. It's just it's so hard. This is, you know, we're living through some really quite sort of, you know, a, a really big historical kind of event. So many people, you know, in the music world, they're just sitting there just completely, that's it. There's no work. It's dried up. So if you're trying to mm-hmm. feed a family, I don't know what people are going to do. No, I know. Well, I've, uh, I sort of read in the paper today that so the federal arts ministers are getting together for an emergency meeting. So um, hopefully something is going to come of that because there are a hell of a lot of people who need help now. Oh, yes, a hell of a lot, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, just you, you, you can't get your head around it. You know, anybody who's struggling or, or, or a single mum or, you know, something, trying to bring up a kids and, you know, with a job and, 
and um, renting, you know, they're in real trouble, mm. and there's a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it's yep. another whole other deal. But geez, you know, I can't mm. can't can't believe it. I mean, I had, you know, my show this week was just part of that. You know, where the we just didn't have the opening, and you know, it'd been two years since my last show, so I was really looking forward to having a, a you know yeah. an opening, and that's usually a a bit of a big deal because it's the you know it's the time that you get out of your studio and you put your work up and talk to people and that's not happening and then uh, as a musician I've it's, it's, um, we've been making a dog trumpet album a band dog trumpet with my brother you know Chris mm. Reg Reg Mombasa and we've just we've just finally got that together and and released it and all, we released some songs and we've, we're meant to release the album and do a tour starting in uh, be- very beginning in May so. All of our gigs have been have been um, cancelled, and you know, oh, in geez, Melbourne and yeah. Victoria and in New South Wales, Sydney, and that's just um, you know, and our timing wasn't great. We left, left for seven years since our last one, and now the new one's just coming out. So, can P- is is it on your um is it on your website? On yeah, Dog you, Trumpet website? you can. You can go to Dog Trumpet website or or even my my Facebook, and you'll see all of our songs will come up. I was I saw on King Street Gallery's um, website they can even you know people even if people can't don't feel comfortable going to the gallery um, they can go on the website they can see your work on the website and um, they can contact the gallery through there so so there's um, an easy way of, of you know getting getting a doherty on their wall so congratulations Peter and I'm uh, looking forward to catching up soon hopefully without wearing masks. Thank you, Maria. It was very nice to talk to you, you know, at a, at a slight distance, but, you know, that's that's what's going on. The distance between us, that's my show. It sure is. And well, at the other end, we're going to have a great celebration. Oh, yeah. It's got to get better at some stages. Great to talk. So great to catch up with Peter O'Doherty, even though it wasn't face-to-face. I'll be getting video of his show on social media um, this week. You can also find out more about Dog Trumpet's album on their website and on Peter's Facebook page, and I'll put links to those on the website too. I've also put a link to my YouTube video of Peter in his studio from 2018. There's over 100 videos now on my YouTube channel, so hop over there for hours of entertainment. Just put Talking With Painters YouTube in your search engine and it should come up. If you're new to the podcast, you can follow Talking With Painters on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And I'm planning over the next weeks and possibly months uh, to bring you new ideas on connecting. So stay tuned. If you're enjoying the podcast, it would be great if you could hop over to iTunes and give it a rating and review. Thank you so much to those of you who've done that already. I've, I've read some beautiful reviews lately and it's really been very heartening. As usual, thanks for listening and hope you can join me for the next episode of Talking with Painters. <laughs>